Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Neil Bawa returning. Neil was a guest on episode five and discussed marketing. And if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. Neil is a technologist who is universally known in real estate circles as a mad scientist of multifamily. Neil is a data guru process freak, and outsourcing expert with almost $1 billion in assets in his portfolio. Welcome, Neil. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek, you know, data scientist, you know, computer science degree. And I love applying big data, big data analytics and technology process and outsourcing to real estate. So that's kind of the claim to fame. That's what I enjoy doing. That's what's fun. And it translates really well to the day job of buying, building, and managing, you know, various kinds of buildings. Portfolio is about a billion dollars, 800 active investors, multifamily and built to rent are the two big buckets. But I also like doing self-storage, industrial, and student housing. Nice. So you got your hands in a lot of different asset classes. And that's what I love because I'm looking at applying analytics to different asset classes and different kinds of buildings, applying it to new construction and value add. And that gives me the ability to kind of benchmark and figure out, you know, which one of them is performing better than the others at any given point of time. So we've got 33 projects that we have data on. We currently have 33 projects running, including seven that we've sold. It's nice to be able to benchmark across asset classes and building quality types. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the data that you put out there. Been a big follower of yours for a long time. And it was great seeing you at MFIN in uh, Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about prop tech and, you know, what are the most exciting things you're seeing out there and, and what are you implementing at your properties? So a lot of prop tech is our conversations that I think are somewhat theoretical at this point. So maybe I'll just start with what PropTech is and what can you do not today and what are you going to you know, be able to do tomorrow? So property technology is essentially the application of technology to either build properties, manage properties, or raise equity for properties, right? So it could be any of these. When you say manage, we could be talking about asset management, we could be talking about property management. So all of those, right? So you're applying technology to make the entire life cycle 
of properties much more efficient. You could also say to source properties. That's another area in which we are seeing prop tech, you know, become more dominant. And you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, that's interesting, but that's really venture capital. I am in the business of buying buildings and managing buildings. How does this really apply to me? The short answer is this. There were companies that basically whose job it is, the travel agencies, their job was to buy tickets, right? And they said that in 1999, you know, what's happening with the internet really doesn't apply to me. I'm in the ticketing business. And then three years later, they didn't exist, right? So the entire industry was destroyed in three or four years. Technology has the ability to devastate established business plans, established markets, established uh, industries. And so it's its job, right? So imagine what is technology at its core? Technology is simply a way to do things bigger, faster, and to basically turn everything that's physical into bits and bytes. And when it does that, it tends to disrupt business models. So imagine there's a bunch of very, very smart people that are sitting in some cubicle in Silicon Valley, and it is their job, their only job, to disrupt your business model. That's what they're up to. That's why everyone has to worry about prop tech. Everyone has to worry about you know, how it impacts things. And often it impacts things by making them better or faster. And I'll give you an example. So there's a lot of people that are managing buildings in cold states, right? So Chicago, you know, could be Minneapolis, places like that. And many of those places, when you buy a Class C building, you're the one that is actually paying for the heating bill, right? So you're paying for the heating bill because it's got one big boiler or whatever it is, and the heat's being piped into every property. And that's just the expectation of people in those areas, right? And we're talking about tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of buildings that are like that. Now, one of the newest products that I've seen in PropTech that's truly, truly disruptive is a vent. So, you know, when you look up in an apartment, you see that that metal grate, it's a vent. It's just a regular vent. So what this product does is it simply replaces that vent. And there's two or three different companies doing it. The one that I like the most is actually battery operated. You put like four C batteries in there. And the vent got a proximity sensor. It's got kind of a, a sensor at the bottom. And that sensor is looking to see if you're actually at home. And it uses that to decide whether to open the vent or close the vent. And by doing that, and it's just $59, by the way. It's 59 bucks to buy this. And of course, you have to pay for the, the four batteries. You're saving an astonishing amount as a landlord because any place where there's no tenants, maybe they went away for a week, maybe they went away for two weeks, well, it brings the temperature down. Now, it doesn't bring it down to freezing, right? Because you don't want to open your apartment and simply have a blast of, you know, feel like you're in a freezer, but it drops it by three or four or five degrees. And then as soon as it senses that somebody's come in, it increases the temperature. Now, that's super clever because we all know that in lots and lots of these places, if you save $1 in your cost, it means you're going to save about $20 when you sell the building, right? Net operating income is a 20X at five cap. And so these things you know, add up. If you can save $10,000 a year on your bill, you're gonna save you know, $200,000, $250,000 when you sell the property. And that's just income, that's profit by buying a bunch of $59 vents. How's that for immediate application of prop tech? So if you're in a cold state and you're not using smart vents, you're missing out. You're missing out big time, right? So prop tech is doing these kinds of things. 
And there's, you know, I, I'll give you more examples as I go on in this particular uh, podcast, but that's really the essence of what prop tech is. Look at everything that you're doing and saying, how can I do it better, faster, cheaper? Yeah, I think that's huge for any asset manager, for any owner operator out there is to realize how important it is to stay ahead of technology. Like you said, you know, the whole you know, industries are getting wiped out by prop tech and and it's these little things, these little adjustments that you can make to your property that add a huge net result to your bottom line. So I love it. What else are you looking at these days? Let's you know keep going down the rabbit hole a little bit. So as you know, insurance costs in the US have spiked massively. So you know, a lot of us are getting hit, 10% increases, some markets 20%, 30% a year. So shouldn't we be focused on getting our insurance costs down as much as we can? Well, one of the key ways that you can reduce insurance costs is to put these small devices that sense water leaks, right, in your properties. So they used to cost a great deal, even like two years ago, the price was about four or five times what it is now. But there's now a number of companies that basically have made it their business to create IoT or Internet of Things devices that you can put into your property and you can basically tie wrap it under the sink or places like that. And what these suckers do is that they sense anytime there's a leak and they do it in various different ways. The one that I like a lot was was sound-based and you wouldn't think, well, why would a leak be sound-based? The answer is when there's a leak, the sound that the pipes make as water rushes through is very different from the sound that they make when the water isn't rushing through at such velocity. And because of the way that leaks are, it's always a crack, right? The water sounds different from when it's coming out of a faucet, which usually is, is circular. So that kind of technology, there's a number of companies doing it. And the, the sound one is the one that I like. But the point is this, you can significantly reduce your insurance bill by installing these IoT devices. And I don't see enough operators doing that because they're not staying up to speed with how much of a discount you get on your insurance when you do that. Right. So flooding is a big deal and apartment floods for more than an hour, hour and a half. You're looking at massive expense first to replace flooring and baseboards and things like that. But then also for the fact that the you're required to then pay for the tenant to go to a hotel. You have to pay for all of their hotel expenses. Some states even require you to pay salary if they have to stay home during that time. They can't go to work. If there's mold issues, then, of course, you're in lawsuits. So all of that can be avoided by using you know, water sensing devices, which really, if you look at a three to five year hold, you're paying nothing for them because you're getting big discounts on insurance. Nice. Right? I love it. Well, so not, not only that, yeah. but you're mm -hmm. also on the, on that expense side too, you know, not mm -hmm. just the insurance savings. So that, that's huge, huge. Absolutely massive, right? If you've got a 200 unit property, there's going to be leaks. I mean, you know, I don't know about 200 unit property that survived a five year run without leaks. Right. There's I mean, I'm not saying the whole property is flooded, but usually you have two units, five units flooded. It's pretty common. So those are, you know, other examples. I'm also seeing that there are properties that are in, you know, C or D markets that have been using security guards. So it's pretty common. I see it very often in Texas where people are paying for security guards. And that's a pretty expensive proposition because either you're paying for a full time employee or you're paying for a part time employee, but you're paying, you know, 40 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour. And now there's companies that actually have moving robots walking around your property. I mean, they've got wheels, they don't have feet, but they've got wheels and they basically have a perimeter and they keep walking around the property. There's cameras and artificial intelligence is being used so that 
if something goes wrong, the AI, you know, it's, it's taking video in all four directions, alerts a, a real operator who very quickly, within a couple seconds, looks at that and says, hey, this is something bad that's happening here. There's a fire here. There's, you know, a break in here. Those devices have microphones on them, eight microphone arrays. So if glass is broken, the device immediately pivots towards the sound of the glass and switches the video on for the operator. So five seconds after somebody breaks glass in a parking lot, you could have this device speeding towards them. That would freak the shit out of whoever's breaking into a car. So you've got, the, you know, and, and it's cheaper to have these, these agencies than to basically have a full-time security guard or maybe even a part-time security guard, depending upon which state it is. So those kinds of startups, those kind of prop tech startups are doing really well. So now you've got, you know, security and insurance and heating bills already. We've just, we're just scratching the surface here, right? How much does one of those robots cost or to lease? We've used security at our sites, uh, some of them, and even for someone part-time coming a few hours, a few days a week could cost, you know, 2000 plus a month. So these are in that 1000 to 2000 a month range, right? So it, it makes sense to use them in larger properties. But I think that the, what you're actually getting is better because the device doesn't get tired. It's continuously going around the property. You know, the people that you're paying for could be sleeping for all we know. So I think that it's the fact that computers do not get tired and the fact that there is an operator on the other side that is going to know as soon as the device hears or sees something that it finds shady. So I think the technology there is still a little new. I feel like it, it will get better in the next couple of years. The nice thing is once computers learn something and an algorithm is improved, it's done. I mean, it, it, you know, you'll never have that problem again, just like self-driving cars, right? So Teslas that were self-driving three months ago were having trouble when they were taking left turns. Then they released a new update and now that left turn problem's gone away and it, it's gone away forever. And that's the essence of technology, right? You fix it once it stays fixed. So I'm interested in all of these things and I'm looking at my various properties on what to apply. And there's still others that are in development that I can give you examples of how I've done it. I am aware that these are solutions that are actually coming to market. So one of my properties in, in Texas, 237 units, that property, we could never get people to pay pet rents. And when I looked at the property and the fact that most Texans, you know, live in these apartments, have pets, a cat, a dog, or multiple cats and dogs, the fact that the pet rent was almost zero meant that the property manager really sucked at what they were doing and they just weren't looking at it. So what we did there was we installed uh, 1080p cameras and instead of those high definition cameras looking at the streets and the, you know, the internal streets, we basically pointed them at the hallways. That property had very long hallways. It was an older 1968 property. And so we would basically record all motion to the cloud, which is, you know, a very basic cost. It's not very expensive to do that. And then once every three months, we would have a person in the Philippines spend about eight hours looking at all of the videos. And they would just keep going, skip, 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 looking at people walking up and down the staircases and looking with people walking up and down the hallways. And every time there was a pet, they would basically pause that video and essentially follow that person all the way to where they stopped at a door. And once they stopped at a door, they would figure out which door it was 
And then they would go into Appfolio and they would look to see if there was a lease that was connected to that particular you know, unit that had a dog or a cat in it. And if it didn't, the software that the person would then alert the property manager saying, there's definitely a dog here. Here's a screen capture of what the dog looks like and the person is holding the dog or they've got the dog on a leash. Well, that made it very easy to go in there and say, hey, you know, you didn't disclose this dog. There's this clause in my lease that says, if I find a dog, then I can charge you for an entire year, but I'm a very kind person. So I'm just gonna find, you know, charge you from now on. And the person's like, okay, okay, sorry, I forgot. I didn't even know that was there in my lease. You know, this, I got this dog three days ago, blah, blah, blah. But then you, you immediately you're receiving that. And pet income is such an incredible profit generator. It's so insane, right? Now I'm seeing at least three or four companies, what are they doing? I mean, essentially they're taking a regular off the shelf camera and they're writing an algorithm that does what my person in the Philippines is doing. Because my person in the Philippines probably does it once every three months and nobody has people in the Philippines like I do. I have 18 full-time employees there that work for my company, most syndicators don't. So now I'm seeing companies basically doing AI where you upload a map of the property into the software. So the software can basically tell, okay, if you know, the person's about 80 feet from the camera, that must be unit 104. If it's 100 feet, that must be unit 105. And so it basically alerts you when it sees people with you know, cats and dogs and the software connects back to Appfolio and Yardi and all of the popular softwares, they've got hooks in there. I'm watching this with great interest because I think that 10 years from now, there will be no such thing as you know pet deposits that you're not getting because everyone is going to install this kind of technology so it's it's brilliant technology it really really works and you know the software is alerting the property manager if the property manager looks at it and says yeah that's not real they can always ignore it but 99% of the time the software gets it right very cool. And I could see that being applied for people having extra people living in their apartments too that we can you know catch them on essentially. Yeah, yeah. There, again, they, you know, that, that camera example can be used in so many different ways, so many different methodologies. And I actually gave you an example five minutes ago. I mean, you think about it, that robot that's roaming around, that's basically a regular off-the-shelf cameras in a box and then artificial intelligence reading the video to figure out if something bad is happening like a fire. I could go on for you know hours and hours, but this is what's happening. There's so much disruption on the way. And then there's bigger disruptions, which luckily you don't have to deal with for the next two or three years. Good for you. One is 3D printing. The other one is modular construction, right? So the holy grail of real estate is how do you build a new house cheaper than everyone else in the marketplace? And even if you can build it 10% cheaper, you're going to be the richest person on the planet because real estate is a, you know, $326 trillion market. If you can corner 2% of that, then you're richer than Elon Musk, right? So, you know, there's well over a hundred companies working in two different spaces. One's modular where basically they're saying, we'll build it in a factory so we can build it faster and we can use machines and then we'll just ship it to the site and we'll assemble it there. Well, that model doesn't work right now because shipping costs are 5X higher than they were pre-COVID. So that's a, you know, currently a model that's not very interesting to most people. 3D printing is very interesting, but it takes a while to scale. And most cities and jurisdictions have to pass laws. 
And that's a very slow process to you know get laws to allow these kinds of things. So people are doing one property, five property pilots, and even most of those are far too expensive because it takes a while for price to come down. I mean, basically 3D printing is where solar was in 2010. Today, the cost of solar at a utility scale is about you know, under $3 a kilowatt hours, right? It was 10 times that much in 2010. So in 12 years, we've gone from 30 to three, and that's normal for technology, right? So early on, it's early adopters, that sort of stuff, and that's what's happening with 3D printing. But I think in about five, in 10 years, 3D printing will completely change real estate because when it gets to the point where it's better looking and cheaper, I mean, that makes it, you know, absolutely a game changer in every possible way. And we are also seeing some disruptive stuff happen in parking. So I think parking is a very unsexy thing, but imagine this. I mean, if instead of building 20 units an acre, if I could take all the space, I can build 35 or 40 units an acre, right? But what the heck am I going to do with parking, right? And the short answer is we're getting to the point where, you know, parking at different levels. We've seen this happen a lot in China where they have these machines. So you drive into a parking spot and the machine lifts the car up and then the next car drives into the parking spot. So that one parking spot is now being used three times. Those solutions are very popular in Asia where there's you know land shortages. The US, you know, we've got so much land. We're so spoiled. We're so ruined by this. But now we're beginning to run out of cheap zoned land. The US has more land than we can ever use, but cheap zoned land, we now have a pretty huge shortage of. And so it's we're beginning to see those kinds of things come to the US. And I think within five, seven years, we get to the point where we start using these same parking machines that we're seeing in Asia. And then all of a sudden we can build 32 units, 34 units in an acre with keeping the same kind of green space available. And I think that changes pricing again, prop tech. Awesome, it's awesome. So much good stuff, Neil, I appreciate it. I asked this question of all of our guests. What is your asset management superpower? My asset management superpower simply is this. I attach two people in the Philippines full time to each person in my asset management team. So I have two people in asset management here and I have four in the US. So I have six. So we are the only company in the US that I'm aware of where Every properties that are in new lease up, right? A lot of times when it's, you know, properties at 96%, we don't mess with it, right? It's going well. But any time a property is in new lease up, we have all the calls go to the Philippines. And those people are constantly chasing everybody to get our velocity up. We have delinquency calls for certain properties going to the Philippines. We have 30-day and 60-day reminder calls when people have to be moved out or they need to renew, all of that going to the Philippines. So the efficiency of that, when you can make 20,000 phone calls, it drops your delinquency, it massively increases renewal, or at least you have 60 or 90 days of notice that people are not going to renew so you can lease up their units. And the velocity of leasing is just incredible. So you know, I think we save between a half million and a million dollars a year in profit from a four-person team in the Philippines that reports to our asset managers in the US. So, I mean... Those four people, I don't think they cost us more than 55000 a year. Yeah, that's huge. Well, thank you so much, Neil, for coming on and talking about PropTech. I know I, I wrote down a bunch of ideas. I mean, I love 
We talked about the vents and the water leaks and the robots and parking. Great, great stuff. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and your company. I happen to be the only Neil Bawa on the World Wide Web. So simply type in N-E-A-L space B-A-W-A, hit enter. I, lots of things will come up. Any other topics we talked about today, you can add that word on Google. I've been on a couple hundred podcasts, so the, that can come up. Or just type in Neil space Bawa space PropTech. Other interesting topics that you might want to learn about is Neil space Bawa space best cities because we use predictive analytics to predict the best cities in the U.S. for investment. That changes every year. It's very rare for a city to be best more than one year. You know, Gary and I love Phoenix, but can't say Phoenix today is the best place to invest in. It has been for a number of years. So pretty rock star cities. Now it's just a good place to invest in instead of great or best. So check those out. And all of our webinars, we do 20 webinars a year. We have about 30,000 people that attend them are stored at multifamilyu. That's multifamily followed by the letter u.com. I've been on a number of those webinars. Great, great content. So if you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend you check it out. And that's it for today. So this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.